This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. We have something of a theme going this week. First up, is it the end of seniors' discounts, at least in the public sector? And a leading think tank says Canada must raise the age of eligibility for old age security because Zoomers are breaking the bank. Our David Kravitz gives us his take. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. CARP is demanding a public apology from Bell Canada following accusations of high-pressure sales tactics that target many seniors. The charge comes from longtime Bell Canada employee Andrea Rizzo, who claims call centre employees are expected to make a sale on every single call, including to seniors on fixed incomes. As an example, she recalled convincing a 90-year-old to sign up for internet service knowing the woman was blind. Bell disputes the allegations. Japan is experiencing a surge in so-called silver crime. Nearly one in four elderly Japanese convicts is reoffending and ending back behind bars within two years of being released, according to new government figures. These confirm that elderly criminals were more likely to be sent back to jail than their younger counterparts. Poverty is thought to be a key factor fueling the elder crime wave. Words matter. There's long been an association between aging and declining health. In healthcare, there's an emerging realization that the choice of words can be detrimental to health, especially in older people. The Journal of the American Geriatric Society recently decided to redefine aging by hitting the reset button on words that carry negative stereotypes. Instead of older adults, Published articles use those over 65. Researchers say by curbing terms that reinforce stereotypes, it may lead to a new understanding of aging. Vacuuming. Folding laundry and doing dishes aren't fun chores, but these simple activities could extend your life. A study found that women aged 63 to 99 who engage in 30 minutes a day of light physical activity had a 12% lower risk of early death. That number jumped to 39% for moderate to vigorous activities like brisk walking or cycling. Researchers say the bottom line is doing something is better than doing nothing. The study is published in the Journal of the American Geriatrics Society. In San Diego, there's a senior women's basketball league, and to join, you must be at least 80. The three-on-three half-court team currently has a few women over 90. One player says the league keeps her off the streets and out of the bingo parlors. They play to raise money to help send 
promising female student athletes to sports camps, something these women didn't have growing up. I'm Libby Zneimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. The city of Kingston is looking at eliminating seniors' discounts on services like bus rides and recreation programs. London will definitely scrap its seniors' price break on transit come the new year. Is this the wave of the future? Kenneth Wong, professor of marketing and business strategy at Queen's University, says yes. The city of Kingston is thinking of taking away seniors' discounts. This is really controversial, but it seems to be the way things are going. It is indeed, and it's, I think, a simple reflection of the kinds of uh, fiscal pressures facing governments at all levels, especially at the municipal level. But I think what it's doing is it's forcing these cities to revisit some existing policies to see whether those policies are still relevant in today's world. And uh, discounts to seniors in some cases are just not considered relevant. And in other cases, while they may still be relevant, there's some argument about who should bear the brunt of that cost. Why are seniors' discounts not relevant? Seniors' discounts were really developed as a response to one of two things. The most prominent is the fact that most seniors, when these discounts were initiated, were seen as living on fixed incomes. Those fixed incomes, more often than not, were not extremely high because we didn't have sophisticated pension plans and RRSPs and the like. Uh, And so the argument could legitimately be made that a senior was no longer earning but had contributed to society all along. And as such, uh, they deserved a break. You know, that senior's discount was, in a sense, a way of augmenting your CPP or Social Security benefits. Nowadays, that's not really the case. You know, when we look at the top income earners in the country, more often than not, they are in excess of 60 years of age. All of these boomers who bought houses in places like Toronto and Vancouver saw those houses appreciate substantially over their lifetime, now are selling those houses, downsizing, moving to communities, in some cases like Kingston. And so they're coming in with significant bankrolls. Age is no longer a proxy for poverty. First of all, if you're moving in a city like Toronto, you're selling and buying into the same market. Mm -hmm. And uh, most people still do not have pensions. And that retirement money is going to have to last a lot longer because people are living longer. Yeah, and I think what the cities would argue is uh, if that's true, then the problem sits with the pension plan, not with the pricing of our transit services in the city. What about the argument? I mean, I think that people get to a certain age and they expect this type of consideration as a thank you for having worked all their lives and they have a certain dignity as well because they get it because they're entitled to it as opposed to, uh, you know, because they're poor. So first of all, uh, again, I, I, you know, we can debate the question of whether or not they're truly poor. In some cases they are, in some cases there aren't. And if you accept that, then you also have to accept that I can't be giving a discount to everybody who's old without necessarily giving it to some people who really don't need it. So... The age thing doesn't matter, I I think, to most people. If you want to put an income test on the availability of discount, 
And if you want to say that it doesn't matter if you're 25 or 65, if you're only making $18,000 a year, you need a discount. I think everybody can buy that. Doesn't the bureaucracy and administration necessary to administer a means test eat up whatever the cost saving is? I don't know that there will be a cost saving, to be honest with you, even without that cost of bureaucracy. I think this is a bigger question of whether or not social resources are being directed to those segments most in need. Median income in this country is $47,000. Single mother with two kids, let's say, living on $47,000, you're trying to tell me they're not in greater need than a senior who's sitting on a half million dollars and CPP and OSS benefits? Come on. If you want to make age uh, an indicator of the fact that uh, because you've been around so long, you're entitled to more, what you're really saying is it's like a loyalty program, right? You accumulate enough years and you accumulate enough points and we give you a reward of a discount. Okay, if you want to say that, I can buy into that. But now you better make certain that you spent all those years contributing to society in the same place where you're expecting the discount because I don't accumulate optimum points at choppers and then roll into Rexall and expect them to honor it. Okie dokie. Ken Wong, thanks so much for that. Anytime. Kenneth Wong, a Zoomer himself, teaches at Queen's University. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, the C.D. Howe Institute says aging boomers are breaking the bank. David Kravitz begs to differ. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP. A new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. This week, the prestigious C.D. Howe Institute called on the government to revisit a policy it reversed after the last election, raising the age of eligibility for old age security to 67 from 65. C.D. Howe says that's necessary because aging boomers are breaking the bank. Intergenerational expert David Kravitz disagrees. First of all, the title of it is Aging Boomers Breaking the Bank. Later retirement, part of the solution. Uh, Do you agree with that title? Well, I don't think so because like all things with aging, what they do is they take a past model and they project future changes on that model and then they say, oh my God, that model is broken. If you blindly say healthcare has to exist exactly the way it is now, managed the same way, covering the same things, making the same payments, I can prove, of course, that it would be a disaster as the as the older you know population increases as a piece of the pie. But why is it inevitable that you just blindly keep writing the same checks? Why can't you improve the system in other ways? It's sort of a one-dimensional, oh my God against a multiplicity of solutions. And that's David, where I have a problem. David, many of us ask that question. Yeah, <laughs> why can't you just problem. improve the system instead right. of writing the same checks? Yes. Um, but okay. I don't think they'll be breaking the bank because missing from this entire thing, and I, I wish I had the number at the top of my head, but the degree to which seniors are still paying income tax. They pay more in income tax than the millennials. As people live longer, obviously, the population, the sheer numbers of people gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So surprise, surprise, there's a lot of diversity within that group that didn't used to be true. It used to be in the past that seniors were a small chunk of the population. Generally, all of them retired, generally older, frailer, sicker, not long to go. Kind of one label fits them all. Now we see it getting bigger and bigger. 
And you're seeing a variety of approaches, some of them instituted by the seniors themselves. So it's not like they've got to be forced to work longer. Uh, they're already working longer. The participation rate among 55-plus, as measured by Stats Canada, went up from 24% to 38% in the last 20 years, highest it's ever been, and getting higher. So already the boomers and seniors, or the older part of the boomers, have made a decision that if they're going to live that much longer— the even the government plan, which is sort of under threat here, isn't going to be enough. They have to bring in more income. They have to keep working. So there's a big chunk that are keeping working uh, anyway. This is one thing that C.D. Howe shows is that the generation, the generations behind the boomers, they're not big enough. So even in terms of just a, a skills shortage or avoiding one, boomers need to keep working longer. Well, you're touching on a huge point that is grossly underreported. There are a few people starting to research this, which is the lack of productivity and the loss of intellectual capital as the boomers, in, in, in fact, retire. So you have a company that's got somebody with decades of experience, either within that company or certainly within that industry, suddenly gone. No matter how well-trained the next generation are academically, they don't have the same judgment, the same experience. That's why a lot of companies are calling these people out of retirement. We're seeing new forms of quasi-retirement. You're retired but not really. You're part-time, flex-time. You're on call as a consultant. We're seeing creative solutions emerging here. So it's not the rigidity of, bang, 65, are you retired? Yes, no, there's no in-between. We're going to be seeing a lot of in-between. The one thing, again, in the CD how that uh, is a prescription for them, they say the age of eligibility for old age security has got to go up to 67. Of course, as people recall, uh, that was the plan under the Harper government, and putting it back to 65 was one of the main promises that Justin Trudeau made right here in our building, and Correct. he was elected on that. Exactly. So what do you make of that? I think that as with many of these things— the devil's in the details. It's not are you raising it to 67. It's when are you doing that? How far in advance are you doing that? There's very few people that would take to the streets and protest if we told 30-year-olds that 35 years from now, they're not going to collect the pension, but they're going to collect it 37 years from now. So you're giving them three decades notice on a two-year. Well, that's a that's little easy. bit much. No, no, but I mean, the, the Harper plan but was 10 you, years out. Right. So, ten, so, But that's what I'm saying. So, so it's easy for the young people. 10 years out um, seems it, – it's qualitative. And again, it's because the cohort isn't all the same. There are many, many, many seniors, uh, many boomers that if you gave them 10 years notice on a two-year delay – it would have zero impact. It would be just fine. There's many more that it wouldn't be fine. And the problem you have now is that a relatively small percentage in percentage terms still adds up to a lot of people in you know, body count terms mm -hmm. because the cohort is so big. This seems to be indicative of a whole trend where – we all expected you get to a certain age and you get certain financial considerations, yes. breaks, and everybody gets them. They're universal, like our most cherished social programs. Correct. But now there seems to be a move to take this away from seniors and to make everything kind of means-tested. 
There's an undertone. If you read some of the articles on greedy seniors and greedy boomers and particularly how much Medicare benefit, how much the government's spending on Medicare and on health care and how this age group is disproportionately taking – uh, there's a there's a values implied undertone to the thing, as I said, not mathematical. That it's a bit of a look at how many resources you're sucking up at this age. Okay. However, what's not said is um, look at how many taxes you paid over the years for other generations. If you own a home, you're still paying for schools, and you don't have any kids in the school. So there are there are intergenerational transfers of resources for perceived social good. And all of a sudden, it seems that when, it, when the seniors get their hands on it, it's suddenly not fair and burdensome and the system's broken and they're going to break the bank. Well, what did we, what was our big crime? We're still alive? I mean, it's, it's kind of double-sided, I guess. Okay. On that note, David Kravitz, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That was David Kravitz, intergenerational expert and a vice president here at Zoomer Media. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, we remember one of North America's most popular 70s teen heartthrobs. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. It's time for your international arts date book. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. Fans of James Bond and the cars featured in the 007 movies will want to visit London's Film Museum, where cars driven by Bond girls are part of a new exhibit. Among those on display, Moneypenny's Land Rover from Skyfall and the Mercury Cougar driven by Diana Rigg in On Her Majesty's Secret Service. The Foil Film Festival is Northern Ireland's only Oscar-affiliated event, and it's on now. It gave Native Son and Oscar winner Danny Boyle the first public screening of his breakthrough film Trainspotting and is marking its 30th anniversary. The highest level of Rome's ancient Colosseum offers a breathtaking view of the city and is now open to the public for the first time in 40 years. Those seats were once reserved for ancient Rome's lowest commoners. And the first major exhibition of Dutch Masters has opened at the Gallery of New South Wales in Sydney, Australia. It's called Rembrandt and the Dutch Golden Age Masterpieces and features 78 works from the Rijksmuseum in Amsterdam. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. This week, we lost David Cassidy, best known for his role as Keith Partridge on The Partridge Family. In his heyday, David Cassidy had it all, a hit TV show, the worship of millions of teenage and preteen girls, and a number of hit songs. However, life after The Partridge Family wasn't as easy. He struggled between balancing his early fame as a teen idol and living up to the demands of an actor with limited options for career growth. He also was challenged with substance abuse, financial troubles, and failed marriages. He passed away this week at the age of 67, suffering from dementia and organ failure. 
Right now, we'll travel back to that time in the 1970s when David Cassidy was on top of the world. Here he is, along with the rest of the Partridge family, with their hit song that spent weeks at the top of the Billboard charts, I Think I Love You. That was the Partridge family with I Think I Love You. David Cassidy, known for his role as Keith Partridge, passed away this week at the age of 67. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. Produced by Michelle Saunders, Paul Thomas, and Andre Lowy. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.